0: been faithful. All right, Acts chapter 16, let's go ahead and turn there in our Bibles, please. Acts chapter 16, good to see you uh, in church this morning. Uh, I do want to be a blessing to you, and I pray that uh, whatever, whatever else is rattling around your mind right now, that you might be able to just uh, still yourself a little bit and uh receive from the Lord um, don't be surprised that God chooses Sunday morning or chooses church time when he wants to say something particular to you about your life. Uh, God is not indifferent to what you are going through I I know I don't know I haven't I don't I meet you this morning and I might be able to guess how you're going but uh, the Lord has been a Constant observer of what has been happening in your life, certainly over the past week, but always. That means he knows what you're feeling. He knows what particular anguish you might be going through. He knows any discomforts that you're enduring. And uh, he always, uh, if you are his own, has a word to say to you. Uh, And you need to, you need to. To understand that do not defrock the supernatural from the church uh, or you will make a grave mistake. Uh, the church is not the Lions Club or Rotary. Uh, this is not an Amway gathering. Uh, the, church, the church is a gathering of God's people. The church is not even the invention of the church. Uh, the church is not something that just came out of uh, social growth. Uh, the church is something that is supernatural. The church is the church is not owned by a person. Nobody has claim to the church. Uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, as the uh, visible presence of Christ in the church, is the one who makes the decisions about the church. Now we have our part in that, in that we're supposed to pray and discern what is the will of God or the will of the Holy Spirit in any given matter. Uh, So we have our part in that. But God forbid that any decision in the church should be our decision. Now when you defrock the church of the supernatural, you will bring it down to sort of a corporate level or some such thing. Uh, I was speaking to some folks from Southland Baptist last week when I was in Sydney, and uh, I answered the question, and I wasn't at the church, but I was speaking to them, and they said, well, I just can't get over that our pastor was stolen. (laughs) And I said, look, I understand your feeling, but let's just address that. Let's just address that. I said, nobody steals pastors. Okay, we don't do corporate raids. This is the church, okay, and, the, and any pastor anywhere in Australia, whoever he is, will be led of God and directed of God in where he goes and what he does. And if, if you, if you I, I get it that some of you have never been anywhere else but here, but if you actually get out and about and you have some history of understanding what God does in churches around the world, you will see a pattern. And the pattern is it is not uncommon for a preacher in his lifetime to maybe pastor two churches or sometimes three. That is is more common than it is not. All right, so what happened in that? Were people stealing pastors? Nobody steals pastors. God God leads and God decides and the men of God. And I'm just saying lift yourself up to a spiritual level Uh, or otherwise you're going to live in great turmoil and grief and uh, learn to (coughs) receive things from the Lord and to the glory of the Lord. So the church is a supernatural gathering. The Holy Spirit of God, who is one person of the Godhead, is in our midst today. And it is to him that you owe your first allegiance. And I believe that he has an ability to speak to us wherever we're at in any given situation of life. And so when we come to a time like this, what we've got to do, we've got to resist. I know when I come to church, my mind gets assailed with things that sometimes weren't even assailing me the week before. It just has a way. Did you ever pray and ugly thoughts come to your mind? And you think, well, you know, what is, where did that come from? Or, or it can, you can just get a sale. So let's try to still ourselves and uh, just uh, receive uh, what the Lord had, had for us this morning. I pray that this would be a blessing to you. I think, I think it's a word from the Lord, but I think, I, think, I think it has a prophetic overtone. And I don't mean I'm teaching on prophecy. It's a fairly simple message, but I think it's a word for our day. And in a moment, I'm going to talk to you on the subject of what to do when everything is shaking and give you some thoughts from that in Acts chapter 16. Now, I will say that when I tried to get to my pew this morning, it was occupied. <laughs> and I know you, you said, well, Brother Shemish, nobody owns a pew yet. Yeah, now, come on. When you come to your pew and someone's sitting in your spot, you think what I think. You think someone's in our spot. And so the Halana family that seemed to number more than the rabbit plague of uh, 50 years ago uh, have, uh, have moved into my spot. So I was shunted back one pew, which I felt was symbolic of what's happening in my life lately. Uh, but I did thank them. Uh, I said I do have a few enemies and sometimes they do like to place a bomb under this pew. So, thank you for taking the hit on that. Uh, You know, the Anglican Church puts plaques on the seat about where people sit, I'm just saying. So, uh, uh, But anyway, good to be here, good to see you uh, gathered together and uh, seemingly in good spirits as you focus on the Lord, despite all that's going on outside. Uh, So, let's go ahead, Acts chapter 16, I want to read from verse number 25. Uh, I was offered that somebody would do the Bible reading this morning, but, you know, sometimes people come to do the Bible reading without a Bible. And so I thought I would just head that off right now and actually bring a King James Bible to the pulpit and read from that. And if things ever get sorted out here and we get more reliable people reading the Bible then I might consent to that. All right, Acts chapter 16, uh, I'm going to read from verse number 25. This is a familiar passage to most of you here this morning. And uh, I want to say what I have said before. Uh, The danger of familiar passages is the assumption that you already know what is here. So, So what can happen is you can read it, and you can, you can feel, yeah, yeah, I, I know, I know, I know what's coming. Uh, that's also the danger in your personal Bible time. Be careful about reading familiar passages that you don't just speed on through. So my counsel to you is when you're reading familiar Bible passages, it's just to slow it down and just, just, still, just slow down a little bit and uh, say, Lord, uh, what would you have me to, to get here? You'll be surprised how many things God can bring out of the same passage in the Bible. Uh, they're, they're, I, you know, it's not that you're finding new meanings that nobody saw for 2,000 years. And if you are, that's problematic. Uh, but there's just things where, where you will read where God will say, he'll just highlight something to you. All right, So it's a familiar passage, let's read it, and then I want to give you some uh, things that I hope will be helpful. Uh, From verse number 25, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. By the way, that's what they did in their time of distress, right? That was their response in their time of distress. And the prisoners heard them and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm, for we're all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And thy house and they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house now I won't continue on uh, but the narrative of what happened does continue on but we have I think uh, sufficient uh, for our message this morning from the text that we've read uh, notice please uh, verse number 26 uh, a great earthquake Uh, The foundations of the prison were shaken. Some of these prisons were already underground. Uh, Some were not. uh, Or some were above ground but had an underground section. Uh, You have to understand here that there's no electricity. Uh, You know, there's there's no backup system that if the lights go off, the batteries come on. There's nothing like that. It's already dark down there. Uh, providing good uh, air and nice light for the prisoners was not on the agenda of, of those who built the prisons. I'm saying they were dark places. Uh, they were, uh, uh, like I said, often underground. And what has happened here is that God has caused what the Bible says is a great earthquake that shakes the foundations of, of that place now uh when in the bible you read about a great shaking that god did it's always an indication that he's about to do something else all right so that's just a little point of study for you when when something happens where everything is being shaken it normally means that God is about to do something else. Something is coming. So I'll give you, there aren't many examples. I will give you one. In Acts 4 verse 31, when they were assembled for prayer, it says "And when they had prayed, the place was shaken. Now, who's doing the shaking? The place was shaken where they were all assembled together and then there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and uh, a preaching of the word of God with boldness. And so the pattern here is that when there is a shaking uh, from God, it's usually indicating another thing is coming. So there are different kinds of shaking that can happen. Uh, There is the kind of shaking that is personal. And uh, this is when your world is shaken up. When, when you just feel shaken to your core. You know how many, I've had so many people say to me over the last few years, perhaps as I've got a little older, they've said to me when talking about their life, they will say this, you know, Pastor Shemish, this is not where I thought my life would be or look like at this point. I, I, did, I did not think that this was going to be my life. Uh, I I thought it would go a different way. And uh, even stuff like that can shake you. And uh, can shake, so there's a personal shaking, the suffering of loss, uh, the loss of someone dear to you. And I don't think anybody can understand that fully but you. The loss of somebody dear to you, the loss of something Uh, the the loss of something you invested in, believed in, uh, committed yourself to, whatever, when those things are taken from you. I think sometimes some stuff that happens in the life of our children that we were not expecting, that can shake us. And so there's a personal shaking that can happen. There's also what we might call a geopolitical shaking, And when we say geopolitical, we're talking about what's going on in the world. So presently, the world is starting to embark on a geopolitical shaking. Now, most Aussies are ignorant of that and don't even know what that's going to feel like, but they're going to find out uh, because they have erased the history books and, uh, and don't tell history anymore. History for kids now is about the persecution of the First Peoples who were here. Uh, History is an attack upon Western society and the very values that made us who we were, the very values that have given us everything we had. And because none of this is being taught, the devil always targets academia as a first priority. Because if you can get the teachers, the uni lecturers, the curriculum writers, then you get everybody, you get the kids, you get the people learning. The kids become the next generation of teachers and they know nothing of Australian history. They know nothing of what our forebearers went through and they think when old people speak of their things that they're just sort of, you know, fuddy-duddy caught up somewhere and don't really know. They ignore the lessons of history but there is a geopolitical shaking that is on the way and it may start this week. Uh, because you have right now uh, 150,000 or more uh, Russian troops amassed on the border of Ukraine. Uh, uh, Putin is determined uh, to make a name for himself to recover the lost empire uh, of the Soviets. And so, so you might think, well, that's a long way away. Uh, the problem is it's going to rattle the whole order of Europe. And the, the, the problem is it's going to empower those who are in our own region, a la China, uh, to, to, to think, well, maybe this is my time to move against Taiwan. And the present age has never looked more like the 1930s than it's looking right now. So 1930s, that's when the war started, bro. And uh, so it's, it's, that's, that's, there's a geopolitical turmoil going on. The whole, the whole shake-up of COVID has just been about softening us up for the last two years. Uh, the madness of what has taken place, uh, the empowerment of unelected, uh, unelected health officials who are, who are determining how we live our lives. And the moment you can, can categorise something as a health matter, and, uh, and therefore without legislation, it never has to go through the parliament, legislation in the parliament was our protections that our forefathers built in, that we were not subject to laws except they were debated through the parliament. Now someone can make a health decree and uh, say, you need to be locked away, all right? Now I've been through four quarantines where I have been locked away. So I'm not speaking of someone who hasn't been through this. But the easy jump now is your psychological health issues where you believe in your Santa Claus in the sky is detrimental to our society and you are a health core uh, problem, you need to be locked away. And and the precedents have already been set that if you can label something a health matter, uh, then you can take seemingly unaccountable actions and do all kinds of things. So we are in the midst of a geopolitical shaking. And, uh, and uh, it's, it's going on everywhere. So what does it mean? Well, it means that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back soon. That's what I mean. Yeah, hallelujah. That's a good thing. Because he's coming back soon. And I don't think we have a decade. So, so you, know, eat, you know, take some more vitamins and walk a little bit longer and see it through. Don't, don't leave us early. Uh, why don't you go out, you know, the fast way. And uh, because he's coming back and, uh, and everything is in place. Do you know that Russia is a key player in the tribulation years? Uh, at the Bi- what you're seeing is Bible. And I wish you'd read the Bible more than you read your Facebook. I wish you'd read the Bible more than you do these other things. Because the Bible would calm you. The Bible would give you perspective and peace. Social media is not going to calm you. You know, I saw a fella at a protest the other day, I, was, I wasn't there, but I saw a fellow at a protest, he held up a big sign and said, the media is the enemy. And I thought, brother, you nailed it. The media's done more damage to this country and other countries than any other institution, maybe apart from the education institutions. You know, I, I want to get a, a thousand bumper stickers up and while you're in church, go and put them on your car and says, the media is the enemy. And get some T-shirts printed, the media is the enemy. And Aussies need to sort of wake up to the media is the enemy. They're dividing us, they're lying to us, they're hiding things from us. The media is dominated by an extreme left-wing agenda. They don't care about you, your family. Uh, It's dangerous. And more Australians need to be speaking up about it. And it's okay for the pulpit to mention these things sometimes. Uh, my grandfather fought as a rat of Tobruk. My grandfather fought the Japanese in Papua New Guinea, and I love Japanese people, but but you know, back then the scenario was very different. And I'm just saying, I, I have people die for the freedoms that we enjoy. And how dare you come into this place and try to tell us that there are no real Aussies and we don't have values and try to reshape the culture in your own left-wing mind. Uh, you're a liar and uh, you're trying to steal what was never yours. Uh, so so occasionally I think it's okay to, to line up the dots a little bit and say, well, what we're seeing is the Bible is pointing. By the way, China is a major player in the tribulation years. Now, if you said that 100 years ago, they'd be like, what? How's China going to be a major player in anything? China was occupied uh, uh, 150 years ago. I'm just saying that it, it's all falling into alignment. So, so what you're seeing is the infrastructure of the Antichrist has already been built. Whoop! It's all there. Everything he needs, and this is—we're very close. We're very close. So there can be a geopolitical upheaving. Now, uh, I think the last two years, uh, uh, we've seen things going on. And uh, I think all of us, no matter what you think about COVID, uh, all of us have a sense of, I just feel there's something more to this than just the disease. And, uh, and, And I don't know it's super clear, everything that's going on, but I think we've all had a sense of that, that no, no, this is... This is, there's something going on here. I think we all got that. But I don't think it's clear. By the way, I preached that in America. I said, I think we all got a sense of what's going on, but I don't think it's clear. But a fellow met me in the, in, the, in the lobby on the way out, and uh, he wanted to point out to me seven things he learned about from the CIA that it was very clear. So thankfully, I was delivered from that conversation. <laughs> and now I use side doors when I, when I go out. When you look, it's, where's Pastor Shamish? All right, so there can be all kinds of shaking going on, but, but we want to get to, well, well what, what do you do? What do you do? Because, you know, when, it, when it's happening, and may I say it, particularly when it's happening personally, uh, it can be quite overwhelming and quite upsetting and quite disturbing. And it's really important, it's what happens that will decide how you are after that ends. All right, so I want you to see. So number one, what to do when everything is shaking is found in verse number 27. And uh, I'll give you the point and we'll look at the text. Number one, what to do when everything is shaking is don't do anything suddenly. That's the first thing. Don't, don't do anything suddenly. You know, because, you know, what happens is I, I've watched this in America. There's a mass migration going on in America now. And the migration is away from the West Coast and the East Coast inward. And the reason that's happening is they're trying to escape government overreach and all sorts of things. Uh, They're also dealing with problems in their school curriculums. And a lot of people have just had enough of it. And so this last event has just been the trigger. So I'm telling you, it's a mass migration. So the churches on these coasts are suffering quite an attrition. Uh, I was in one church that was doing wonderful. Uh, they have lost 800 members. And, and through nothing, no one has a problem with the church. None of those people are blaming the church. They're just, they just said it's enough. They're packing up, pulling up, and they're moving. Uh, and uh, we've, had, we've, had, we've had people leave the field in Thailand. There's been missionaries leave the field in other places. Don't do anything suddenly or quickly. So, so keep saying that to yourself when you're in a big upheaval and you're about to just calm down, bro. Don't do anything quickly. All right, verse 27, what was going to happen here, uh, he's called the keeper of the prison. You have to understand that the keeper of the prison in this day, uh, you know, he's not, he's, he has responsibility for keeping those people there. And if they are not there, it's his life for theirs. Did you hear that? If, if they're not there, it's his life. It's not like, hey, guys, a bad night tonight. looks like five have gone out the back wall, you know. I mean, you just, you just can't do that. If you lose someone, you die. Or you lose someone, you go to jail for as long as they would have gone to jail. And everyone in that job understood the situation. Now, it was, most times it was not a problem. And, uh, and uh, you know, have some pity for this bloke, because uh, God did, but he, he wakes up in the morning, he's, he's going to, well, it was a night shift, so we can know that. He's, uh, he's going to go on the night shift, and he gets up in the morning, and he gives his wife a peck on the cheek, like he did every time before he headed out to work. I don't know if he took his lunchbox or what he did, but... He had kids, probably said to the wife and kids, all right, love, uh, see you in the morning. And uh, she said, all right, love, have a good night. And nobody was expecting what was about to happen. And he wasn't expecting this, what was about to happen. And so this this shaking happens that would be quite terrifying. I've only been in one earthquake, uh, but I think that that has firmly put in my heart, I do not desire to be in another. Uh, the one was bad enough. And uh, when, you, when you have, when, when the, the, the ground you stand on is, starts moving and feeling like it's going to liquid, it's quite disturbing. You know, we call earth terra firma. Do you know what that means? The permanent earth. But it's not. It's actually not in many ways. Uh, but you go through that kind of shaking and it rattles you. And it rattled me for a couple of years. Uh, I, I kept waking up thinking, it's happening again. It's happening again. And there's a danger when something shakes you in your life that even when you get through it, you'll be looking for it to happen again. So some people have trouble entering into relationships because of what happened at the previous ones. Some people who have a history of, of being betrayed always have a trust problem. It's happening again. It's happening again. And so, having having been through one, I remember what I had to do to be able to sleep when I was travelling. To be able to sleep, I had to get a, a glass of water and half fill it with water, and uh, and uh, put it not to drink, Alvin, and to put it on my uh, to put it on my desk. And uh, if I if I felt like if I felt like everything was shaking, I had to look at the water. If the water wasn't moving, it was up here. It wasn't in reality. And, and I, I'm telling you, I had to do because I'd feel like it's happening, it's happening. And I'd go, and the water wouldn't be moving. I think, I'm okay. It's happening here, but it's not, it's not really happening. And so this poor bloke goes to work and all this, this shaking, and it would have been terrifying. And uh, uh, down there and everything gets shaken up. Now, what happens is he does what you may have done and what I myself have to be careful to not do and probably have done before. In verse 27, you'll notice the word supposing. So if you mark your Bible, underline the word supposing. And what he was supposing, he was supposing that when everything got shaken up, that that meant that all the prisoners had fled and remember what I said he understood if they go I die so supposing that everything that the prisoners had fled what he was going to do there in the beginning of verse 27 he was going to do himself in you know what I mean by that he was going to do himself in based on what what he was supposing was taking place. Now, I don't doubt he was sincere in his supposing. I don't doubt that he believed what he supposed. Uh, I, I, I'm sure he believed it because he was going to action it. Uh, but but what he was supposing was not what was happening. It looked like it was happening, but it wasn't happening. And so that's the danger of you acting too quickly or suddenly, when everything is shaking in your world or elsewhere, is that you will, you will make a decision based on what you are supposing. And his supposition was this, the prisoners have fled, the authorities are going to kill me anyway, probably just better, I do myself in. Now you can do yourself in, not just, not just suicidally, you can do yourself in otherwise. You can you in rashness, in hurt, in shaking. You can do something where you can do yourself in, and you will do yourself in in a way that God will say, "I never intended that for you. You did that. That that was that was not my leading. That was your passions in response to your shaken world." So there's a danger in doing anything too quickly. Now, can I also say this? What looked like to him his worst day was in fact God preparing him for his best day did you get that what looked like his worst day was in fact God preparing him for his best day and what do you say what do you mean because if you get to the the end uh, in verse 32 they speak to him and to his home, his house, the people in his house, the word of God. And uh, he receives he receives Christ and he's baptised. Now, gosh, he, none of, he wasn't expecting any of this when he went to work. And in the midst of the shaking, he's, you know, nobody's thinking, well, something great is going to come out of this. And if you are, boy, I commend you. We need more of you. But most people in a shaken state... Start supposing the worst. And uh, and what looked like his worst day was God preparing him for his best day. Now, the, the, the listen to me. The process when God shakes you can be frightening. The process is never pleasant. But the outcomes can be very good. And that's what I want you to remember. The, the process is not, the process is scary because there are so many unknowns and we have an ability in the face of unknowns to, to fill in the gaps. So we suppose in the face of unknowns it's going to be this, this and this. But actually the Lord was preparing him for his greatest hour. That's what was happening to him. And so, so it looked like his worst, but actually it was God getting ready for his best. That's how it can be for you. It can it can look like your worst, but God can get you ready for your best. You say I don't enjoy the process. I don't blame you. But don't do anything quick, because what you will do, you will abort the plan of God in your life. You will you will miss what God is setting you up to do. If you, if you don't keep a divine perspective on this, a little more on that in a moment, you're going to miss what God is doing in your life. You know, I, I, I'd like to go through life with no shaking. I'd like to have promotions without pain. I, I'd, I'd like to have a process that was enjoyable. But that is not how it works in our lives. It never worked like for me in ministry that way. It's never worked for me in a family life that way. It hasn't worked for me in the mission field that way. The process is often difficult. It's often frightening. You don't know what's going on. But I have found again and again and again that God has brought about something far better than even what was before. And you have to believe that because it's, it's, that's what he does. That's what he does. See, notice how the divine hand, God's hand, God, notice how the divine hand here did not allow this to go too far. Because, because this man has drawn out his sword in verse 27 and don't you doubt that he knew how to use it. He's drawn out his sword, suppose, he's about to kill himself and, uh, and what happens is, at that moment, there was an in God, God moves on Paul, or Paul responds. It's in the next verse. Paul cries with a loud voice. Listen, they're in the dark, by the way. So this is all dark and unclear. But this man's about how long do you think it takes? He's drawn his sword. How long do you think it takes to thrust yourself through? Would you say three seconds? Would you would you say five? Uh, or two, how long does it take when you've drawn a sword to thrust yourself through? And he's about to do that, and then God intervenes, and Paul cries in verse twenty-eight with a loud voice, uh, "Don't do it! Do yourself no harm. It's not how you're thinking. Uh, we're all here." Now, now that was that was that was the first way that God protected the man from blowing up his own life or doing himself in. okay. But could, couldn't it not have been this? Could it not have been Paul saying to Silas after the shaking, look what God has done. Let's bow for a word of prayer. And this man kills himself over here. I'm just saying, you've only got to be distracted for seconds. You've only got to be looking the other way. Someone else could have cried, out, Brother Paul, what's going on? Uh, it's god mate he's he's come he's shaking it's god and, oh you know i mean you could have i'm just saying that 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 was the divine hand on the edge of on the edge of self destruction that close you know what that tells you when god does that when he delivers you that tells you how much he loves you People who have trouble accepting the love of God are the people who didn't get a lot of it from people. And they struggle with that concept. People who don't really know what it is to be loved struggle with the fact that God really does love you that much. But the evidences of God's love in our life are many times he's pulled us back from the cusp of us doing ourselves in. And he, he changed our circumstances, or suddenly we got a moment of clear thought, or suddenly it came another way. And so many times in the life of those who walk with him, they could have done themselves in. Abraham could have done himself in on numerous occasions. And I'm just saying that's 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 how much God cares for you. And 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 God just protected him. And then if you look at the outcome here, do you understand that God's trying to do two things? Well, God's trying to, he's trying to deliver Paul and Silas from the prison. That's the first thing. Are you with me? All right, but here's the question. How do you deliver Paul and Silas but not have the prison keeper killed? Do you ever ever look at those things and say, well, I don't know how God can do this. Because if he does this, this will happen. Or if he does this, well, this will happen it's impossible to reconcile those two things you know how can how can god fix that that way what can he do and and it's it's a god god actually managed to to deliver paul and silas and the prison keeper as well and if you want to know how that happened it's in uh, verse number 35 is that the people who put them in the prison you know these are the little things that you overlook in your life the people who put them in the prison, instead of coming to the prison and saying to the keeper, where are the prisoners? Uh, we'd like to speak to them or go tell them this. Instead of coming to the prison, you know what they did? Because, by the way, Paul's not in the prison. He's at the house having a meal. I'd like to think it was steak or lamb roast or something. But he's uh, he's at the house having a meal. And uh, he's been, Paul's, Paul has, brother, he's, <laughs> He's not in the prison. He's he's been out baptizing a family. And he's sitting with them teaching. And uh, and there's rejoicing going on in that house. And true salvation always leads to rejoicing. And there's rejoicing going on. He wasn't even there. If they had turned up at the prison, the the prison keeper's gone. And so, you know, they didn't even do that. They sent a messenger. And in sending that messenger, uh, just let them go. That delivered the prison keeper, and it also delivered Paul and Silas. Don't doubt God's ability to work it all out. Okay, you don't have to work it all out. Our faith is often limited by what we can work out. Would you agree with that? You pray about something, and you think, well, okay, it could go this way. Yes, I'm going to believe for that. Or maybe what's going to happen here is this is going to happen I'm going to believe for that. But when you encounter a situation where you think, I can't see any way, I can't see any way that this can be fixed, it seems I can't even imagine a possible scenario that this could be fixed. And yet God is not limited by that. And and the only way you can understand that is to walk by and believe by faith. Because you won't be able to work it out in your mind. You say, no, I work out everything. I know you do. That's the problem. Oh, no, but I always work it out. I know you do. And I work it out for others as well. I know you do. But you're going to reach things you can't work out. And God just wants to say to you, I'm God. You, no, you're not. And, And so you have to believe that by faith. So what what looked like his worst moment actually turned out to be his greatest day. Do you see that uh, God preserved him? I want to say to you this morning in the midst of all that's going on in the world, please understand that God always differentiates between the saved and the unsaved. You really need to have a re-meditation on that. God never, listen to me, God never judged the just with the unjust. Never. 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 You say, well, how can he, uh, like, separate us that we don't all get caught up in it? Brother, he separated the flies in Egypt. He's, listen to me, that's detail. He is able to separate. He will never judge the just, and we're only just in Christ, the righteous with the unrighteous. I've been praying lately, Lord, when the judgment comes, and I know it's coming, please put my family and I in the ark. And the ark is Christ. God God did not judge Noah with the rest. All right, do you understand that? Uh, God warned Christians in AD 70 when Titus was coming to to destroy Jerusalem and kill everybody inside or enslave them. God warned the believers then, uh, at this point flee to the mountains and they did. He's never judged the just or the righteous with the unjust. Even when God was going to judge the cities of the plain, Sodom and Gomorrah, God delivered Lot and would not would not destroy the whole place until Lot was out. So that's a comfort to you. Cuz it's telling you look no matter what's going on here, no matter what it is, you're not going to be numbered with the rest okay, he, he's already separated you unto himself, you will be preserved, okay, that's why you're not going to go through the tribulation years, you may go through tribulation, we're not denying that, but the tribulation years are characterised by judgement, Now, now isn't it true when you got saved, didn't Christ take your judgement on the cross? If he didn't, you're not saved. Did, didn't, wasn't Christ judged for you? Wasn't Christ punished for you? And now you're telling me that you're going to double dip? Now you telling me that that's not enough? And that, and that now you, he's going to judge you in wrath again? Nobody judges their own children in wrath. Okay, we may chasten them or discipline them. Discipline is not something you do to a child. Discipline is something you do for a child. All right, you're not going to be judged. You're not going to be here in the tribulation. Oh, I think we might going to be here. You know, I kind of wish you were, but uh, you'll be going. I, on that one, I'd just like you to win, but, uh, but you'll be going uh, because he's taking even foolish people. If, you, if you're saved you're not going to be here on an outpouring of divine judgment. And if you believe that, I don't know what makes you think you won't go to hell or what makes you think other things. Either Christ has paid our judgment or he has not. And he has. He has. He died for your sins. He died for my sins. And uh, he paid our judgment. So, So you can have peace, whatever's going on, you say... Brother is getting grim. I know, I know, I know because of where we're heading. But you will be safe in the care of Christ and he will preserve you. He will preserve you. You do not have to fear. Uh, stop, Stop feeding on the stuff you're feeding on. You know, it disturbs you. Don't tell me it doesn't. It upsets you. And, uh, and uh, it troubles your mind. Do you think that's God? Get in your Bible. And in the midst of it all, you'll have peace. In, in the midst of it all, you'll have context. Which brings me to my second point. I'd say at this point we have about an hour and a half to go. Okay. In, uh, in verse number two, uh, uh, sorry, point number two. I, I didn't even read verse number two. Point number two. What to do? What to do at a time of shaking is found in verse 29. Uh, is to bring a light into the situation. Now you say, well, what is? Well, because he couldn't see because it was dark, and he didn't know what's going on. So you need a light to 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 illuminate what's going on in the midst of shaking. All right, the Bible says in John chapter one, in verse number nine about our Savior. He's called the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He's the light. Jesus is the light that all men through him might believe. So what I'm saying is bring Christ into your moment of shaking. Get, get Jesus present. Uh, and he won't be present if you you, you want to handle it yourself or get in the flesh or whatever. We've got to bring Christ into our moment because the light will show us clearly and you, you can't see yourself. Our people say when they get saved in Thailand, they say uh, of their own initiative, they will say, Pastor Shemish, I don't know how to explain it, but it was like when we got Jesus, the light went on. They said, we felt, this is their analogy, they say we felt we were in a dark room where we knew there were things in the room, but we didn't know what they were. And if we bumped them, there was fear. Because we, we knew there were things there. What they're saying is we knew there was a spiritual domain. Okay, we knew that. No one in Thailand tells you, "Oh no, there's nothing." You, you know, no one. By the way, no one believes that unless you put them through a good secular school and you get them under some good, good teaching at the uni, and uh, get them around the right people, and then and then they'll be what the Bible calls a fool, because the fool says in his heart there is no God. Now, notice the problem of the fool is not intellectual. The fool doesn't say in his mind there's no God. God said it's a heart problem. But leave the rest of the world to mostly how they are and everybody knows there's a spiritual world. They don't argue with you about that. But they don't know what is what because they're in the darkness. But when you bring Christ into the situation, you get illumination. And illumination is not just information. It's not just about seeing, but it's about comfort. It's about you being Christ-like in the midst of it all. It's about you saying, Lord Jesus, what do you want me to do with this? How, how should I act? How should I respond? And you bring Christ. So, so one, don't do anything suddenly. Two, bring a light into the situation. It will help you. Number three, look for an outpouring of grace. Because our Bible says where sin abounded, that's certainly our day. Where sin abounded, what? Grace abounded more. More. So don't folk, again, if you'd read your Bible, you'd have some balance. You Brother, it's a wicked day. Yes? And in such a time as this, God can pour out grace. There's a balance. And so there was an outpouring of grace across that whole prison. And how we know that, and I've preached on this before here, so I won't uh, dwell too much on that. Uh, But if you look in uh, verse number 26, it wasn't just Paul and Silas who had their door opened. Right? Now, God could have done that. Don't tell me God couldn't do that. So, well, yeah, I know, Brother you sent an earthquake and probably they're all going to fling open. I'm telling you, God could, can open one door. Don't worry about that. Okay, but he didn't open one door. A whole outpouring of grace came on the whole place because of the presence of two believers who were there. And if you care about saving Australia, you ought to live for Christ. The best thing you can do is live for Christ, try to reach people for Christ. I wonder wonder if you traded off all the hours you spend on negative social media with talking to real people in the world whether you would have won someone to Christ already and have them sitting in church beside you. The best thing you can do is to win someone to Christ and live for Christ yourself because then God will look at the nation and God will say, you know, for their sakes... Okay, a little bit longer. For, for their sakes, I, I will spare it. And until you're taken out, Australia doesn't understand it. The best security it has is not nuclear submarines, so I'm all for that. I just wish they'd nuclear arm them as well. But, uh, but uh, I'm all for that. But the best security Australia has is the believers who occupy its lands. Do you understand that? Because God has preserved places because of the presence of believers. You know, you you, you, you you waste a whole life, I'm telling you, you'll just waste a whole life. You'll you'll do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and you'll you'll dabble here and you'll dabble there and you'll get caught up in your social media stuff. You say, oh, it's true, it's all true. Well it, it, it may be. Is it helping you? Is it helping the nation? Is it helping any of it? You waste a whole life. Or you could live for God and try to win someone to Christ. That would that would be more fruitful and more helpful. You living for God. I'm a Christian, brother. You don't even read your Bible, mate. Come on. You don't even read your Bible. Oh, I read it once? Yeah, 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 you did. Was that John 3.16 when they won you to Christ? Have you read anything? I'm just saying, read your Bible. Read it because God's there. And it'll get in you. Pray. You know, people don't pray. When you last pray and pray pray, pray for the uh, the need of others and pray for the prosperity of all good churches and pray that you'd win someone to Christ. I mean, you'd do more for the country doing that than the other stuff. Turn off, if you, you know, turn it off. Turn the TV off. Turn, turn off, you know, shut the app down. Do what you need to do, you know. I get it, you're finding out every conspiracy theory, I know, I know, there'll be another one tomorrow, probably another two the next day, I get it, I get it, you say, but it's true, it's true, okay, but is it helping anything? Well, is it helping anything? Now, the balance to that is this, let me say, if you're an Aussie, and, this is, and, the, and you, you get to vote as an Aussie, you do get to have a say as an Aussie, so no one's trying to shut that part of you down. Okay you do get to have a say and you do get to stand up. Okay that's your lawful right as someone who lives here. But as a Christian I'm saying that if you don't dwell with the Lord you'd help the country more by walking with God. Because because you may have a short wind doing it the other way and I'm all for you if you do. I'm cheering for you. But but you're not going to turn the tide of where this is heading. G- get in with the Lord. Get in with the Lord. Read your Bible. Dwell, dwell with the Lord, and uh, and believe God. Uh, look for, look for an outpouring of grace. Number four, because about three people are jotting the outline down. The rest are looking at their watch, wondering if the buffet queue has diminished by now. Level uh, point number four: Look for open doors when things are shaking. And by the way, you don't need the buffet, bro. Uh, look for. Look for open doors when things are shaking. The Bible said that, that everyone's uh, bands were loose. That's in verse 26. And it says all the doors were open. Can you see that? Wasn't one, wasn't just Paul and Silas. There was an outpouring of grace in the midst of a shaking. Uh, there was the, I, I won some people to Christ during COVID. In fact, Frank, we had a fairly fruitful COVID season. Uh, and was able to win some people to Christ, despite missionaries leaving the country, and I don't blame them for that, and and whatever, I'm sure they prayed, but just some opportunities were there. There were some open doors, there was an outpouring of grace. So look for open doors when things are shaking. Look for for an opportunity. And as we conclude, the fifth point is this, be ready to tell others who don't know about the Saviour. And, and there are millions who don't know. There are, there are billions, there are millions who don't know. In First Peter chapter 3 and verse 14 and 15, verse 14 says, but and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. And, here's, here's God's word to you, and... Be not afraid of their terror neither be troubled. Well there's a good there's a, there's a good post for you right there. That could be your departing post. All right, not do not be afraid of their terror. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Neither be troubled. Now you won't have the strength to even handle that unless you're in the word of God. And then verse 15 of 1 Peter chapter 3 as we move to finish. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that's in you with meekness and fear. And so be ready. And that's what Paul did. Everything I just told you is right found here in the passage. Uh, He he took the opportunity, he saw God was exercising an outpouring of grace, people's bands were loosed and uh, he was ready to speak for Christ in that hour. So there's some admonitions for you this morning on what to do when everything is shaking and we are going through that, certainly at a geopolitical level, you may be going through it personally, I, I doubt there's a person who'll get through life without having events that truly shake you to your core probably two or three times at least over a lifetime. And I'm saying that to you as someone approaching 60. And knowing that has just made me kinder to other people because I don't want to add to your burden and I don't want to load you up any worse than you're already feeling. But the Bible has the answer. Okay, the world doesn't have the answer. You're not gonna punch your own way out of this paper bag. You're gonna just need the Lord. Rediscover your spirituality and to get back, get peace with God, and just 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 rest, rest in the Lord and let, let, let God do what He'll do. Let's bow for a word of prayer. wonder as we uh, conclude the service in prayer this morning, uh, if there are those here who would say, look, I do feel that there was a personal word for me in this today. I don't know what part it was. It doesn't really matter. I wonder how many would say, I, I do think there was a personal word in this for me. If that's you, would you raise your hand that you felt God just, yeah, God bless you. I'm just glad that he did. I'm just grateful for that. We're going to pray and then we will, uh, I'll let, uh, do we have a song leader, John, are you going to come? Okay, you can make your way up. Let's go ahead and pray together. Father, thank you for your word. There's nothing in this world that is reliable or unchanging. And we know, Lord, that everything that we touch in life in this life will be taken from us or we will be taken from it the only thing that remains unchanged through the whole journey of life is you you're the same in the beginning on the way and you'll be there when all else is gone and so lord we humble ourselves before you we pray for your mercies we pray lord for your wisdom we pray that you'd help us in the midst of shaking to know what we ought to do. And I ask your blessing on the church. I thank you for the pastors that have served here over the years, and I ask your blessing on them. And I thank you and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. John, you can lead us in a song.